Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 207. While we often advocate the benefits of planning your cruise months and years in advance, sometimes you just have to get away and take advantage of a Royal Caribbean cruise at the last minute. Last minute cruising isn't for everyone, but it is an option for those who want or have to book late in the game and still have a great cruise. This week, we share what to consider for finding a last minute cruise and talk about what you have to do in the short time before sailing. Here we go. Imagine this, you're sitting at home or work, looking around you and realizing that you've reached a point of needing a break from this. Surely you've earned a little break and a Royal Caribbean cruise seems like the perfect way to escape from the day-to-day doldrums that you are actively lamenting. Some sun, beach, maybe a few trips to the Windjamere, sounds just like what the doctor ordered. The only problem? Well, you don't want to wait six months or more for a cruise, you want one now. And taking a Royal Caribbean cruise may sound a little crazy sometimes, But it's doable, and a lot of people actually jump on it. Now, it's not necessarily something I recommend doing, but I know plenty of people look for those last-minute sailings, whether they're just deciding something we describe like that scenario, or sometimes you just want to take advantage of cruises that are sailing soon as an excuse to get away. And certainly, this podcast is predicated on the idea of planning your cruise as far ahead as you can, but taking a last-minute cruise is definitely feasible, but you need to plan accordingly in a much shorter time span. And it really comes down to a lot, of, a couple of variables that some of which you have control over, some you don't. Last-minute cruising has changed a lot over the last couple of years. If this podcast had been recorded, I would say, about five years ago or so, we'd be having a completely different discussion. But essentially what's happened is uh, deals on last-minute cruises aren't necessarily the same thing, right? A last-minute cruise is available, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a deal on there. And that's something to understand right off the bat. And years ago, like I said, five years ago or more, you would have found a lot of last-minute deals out there. But cruising has become ex- increasingly popular with more and more people trying it and with less and less cabins available. Royal Caribbean has not had to resort to offering last-minute deals to guests who want to enjoy a last-minute cruise. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of times there is this idea that, oh, it's surely they've got empty rooms going up there and they're going to go unsold and I'm available for to take this cruise in two weeks, so you know certainly I can make that happen, right, and, and take advantage of that. Not necessarily. In many cases, especially with the Royal Caribbean, these ships are sailing full. Now, it's not to say there aren't deals out there or an availability out there, but understand that you're going to have to dig for them. And while there can be deals found in the last couple of weeks, they are significantly rarer than they used to be. Now, searching for a last-minute cruise there starts out the same as basically looking for any other cruise of the a time of year, right? You should contact the travel agent to assist in the search, and you can also augment the search by looking through Royal Caribbean's website and for offers. There's different deals out there, and what's one person's deal may not be another, but it's really a matter of finding what's available. That's really the question for you. When we say last-minute in cruising, that generally refers to a cruise booked no further out than six to eight weeks in advance. Some cruising veterans might argue a last-minute cruise applies to cruises booked two to three months before you sail, but... That's a debate for somebody. When you're in the bar, on the ship, you can debate it there. The bottom line is you're taking a cruise, or booking a cruise rather, that's past the final payment date for the sailing you're considering and looking to see what's available. So finding one of these sailings, certainly you can start with the Royal Caribbean website. Your travel agent can take a look and see what's available to you. Odds are you're probably trying to have some idea of what you have in mind, right? Maybe it's a Caribbean cruise. Maybe it's a cruise to Alaska. Maybe it's a a New England cruise, a Mediterranean cruise. Whatever it is, you're going to focus in on that particular area. Now, there's a couple different places also to look. Each week, Royal Caribbean publishes something called its Going, Going, Gone rates. These are sailings that have some sort of a discount associated with them because they're generally sailing soon. I use soon in air quotes. They go to on sale to Crown and Anchor Society members on Mondays and the general public Tuesdays and Wednesdays. 
Your travel agent will have a, 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 the ability to see these as well, but we'll post in our show notes a link to our going, going, gone rates. The link always stays the same. Each week, they just update it. It's a PDF document, and you can see what's on there. How lucrative these deals are? Well, it kind of varies, and honestly, it's kind of in the eye of the beholder how good of a deal it is, but... Of course, some people just simply want to get away, right? It's not a matter of finding the best possible. You just simply want to go on a cruise. You want to go on one soon, and you're okay paying maybe a little bit more than the other people have on for that same sailing. It's affordable. It's not unreasonable, and you want to go on it. So once you find your cruise fare or you settle on a cruise that seems reasonable, then you got to figure out how you're going to get to that cruise. Now, if you live in a state in which you can cruise in the same state for where you can drive to, basically. Let's put it that way, right? So, you know, if it's a cruise out of Bayonne, New Jersey, and you live in Baltimore, or you live in Pennsylvania, Connecticut, New Hampshire, certainly you can drive to those ports, right? But Florida, Georgia, these are states that have that are easily drivable. If you can drive, you're, this is a whole lot easier. If you got to buy airfare, that's a whole other conversation. And I would actually advise you, if you're going to book a last-minute cruise, to look at airfare first or put a hold on that cruise. Usually your travel agent can accommodate you with that and take a look at airfare because oftentimes, while the cruise fare may be either a deal or just affordable, you may find the airfare completely sinks any value proposition. You quickly find that this last-minute cruise is just not going to work out financially. So take a look at that. That's really important. Other ways to get uh, deals or, or options available to you, guarantee rooms. What are guaranteed staterooms? Guaranteed staterooms basically are a means that Rokerman uses to help fill empty staterooms. And they offer what's called a guaranteed room rate. This means you pick a category of stateroom that you're promised that you will receive nothing less than. In fact, you might even be upgraded from that. On top of it, you'll pay less, typically, than someone who picks their Ellen stateroom at the time of booking. The catch, if you will, is the guarantee room will means Royal Caribbean will assign you your particular room at some point between when you book the room and your sale date. It's kind of random. One day, you just get it assigned. They don't really tell you anything, but you're essentially trading the ability to pick your stateroom location for a lower cruise fare. Now, once you have your room picked by the by Royal Caribbean, if you find that you can you want to change some, some other room that's of equal category that's still available, you can do that. But again, it's pretty much going to be slim pickings. Now, the other thing you want to keep in mind is also the cruise industry is very much based around the concept of demand. With certain times of the year, seeing higher or lower demand for a cruise. Someone taking a last-minute cruise in the middle of January is probably going to find a whole lot more options than someone trying to find a last-minute cruise in the middle of summer. If you can, try to find last-minute cruises in a time of year when kids are in school and or there are no major holidays coming up. If you take advantage of the strategy, I think you're going to find a lot more options available to you, let alone deals, certainly. But again, uh, that's probably a good starting point. Now, in terms of you have your cruise booked, you have a decent idea of how you're going to get there. Now you've got to go into the nitty-gritty of planning your cruise, right? If you're listening to this podcast, that means talking about shore excursions, dining, all those things on board the cruise ship to take advantage of. Now, while others have had months and months, if not years, to plan this, you've got to play a little bit of catch-up. And I find this is probably where you find that you've really got to do more work quickly. Because once you book the cruise and you have your transportation options, now you got to figure out those other things. If you're on an Oasis or Quantum-class ship, you have a lot more choice, especially in terms of entertainment. One of the first things you should do if you're on one of those kind of ships is book your entertainment what's available left, take advantage of it, no matter what, because taking advantage of the bookable entertainment that's available on Oasis and Quantum Class ships just makes your life easier. And certainly, it going on board, you don't need to have reservations for these shows. They're complimentary just to make, but I feel like it just it just makes things so much easier on you. So definitely look at the cruise planners for you. Like the first thing 
that you do. If you've gotten this far into your last-minute cruise planning, you've gotten over the most difficult hurdles. Where your cruise will go is always an important consideration, but the good news is booking a shore excursion is relatively simple if you're booking close to your sail date. Arguably, the most difficult aspect of booking a shore excursion on a last-minute cruise is you have less time to figure it all out. For Caribbean cruises that go to ports that mainly involve some sort of a beach activity, the decision can be much simpler than someone who's maybe trying to take a last-minute European cruise where there is really a wealth of choices available to you. If you have your heart set on a a certain excursion, book it as soon as you can. If you're flexible or really don't see anything that jumps out at you right away, you can wait to book something later, even in fact waiting to get on board, but it's up to you. I think short excursions in general, because you have not only Royal Caribbean's options, but third-party excursions to choose from, generally you have a pretty good uh, amount of choices to, to consider. It's not to say that you have all the time in the world to pick it, but... You know, going to a particular beach or uh, or other kind of popular activities, while a lot of people may do it, obviously there's a lot of availability for that kind of a thing. But if you want to do uh, swim with dolphins or something that has a little more limited capacity, you want to take advantage of doing that. In terms of dining, especially booking dining on board your ship, there's a lot of different choices out there. Probably the number one problem I think people run into with last-minute cruises is getting the dining rotation they want. We're talking, of course, between traditional dining and my-time dining. And depending on your sailing, your first choice may not be available. Now, here's what happens. Let's say you, regardless of which one you want, if it's not available, there are a couple things you want to do. Number one, have your travel agent put you on a wait list. So if you want to have second-seating dining or first-seating traditional dining or my-time dining it's not available to you, don't fret. Have your travel agent put you on a wait list. In my experience, the wait list always come through. There's been one sailing in which it did not come through, but I'm going to tell you about what happens in that situation. If the wait list doesn't come through, then the next step is when you get on board the ship, go to the main dining room on embarkation day. There's usually some time in the afternoon where a head waiter will be on duty to take dining request changes. It's at that point you can then talk to the person there and explain, hey, I'd like to be able to do, you know, second seating dining. It wasn't available to you. Uh, inevitably, I found that they'd be very flexible with that. And in fact, the one time again that it, I had to resort to this worked out fine. They just said, how many in your party? Great. Now, obviously, if you have a party of 20, that might be a bigger problem. But if we're talking about two, four, even six people, it's probably not a big deal. Now, if you want to have, obviously, a, room, a table to yourself, eh, that could be a little different. But if you're flexible, if you just want to get in on that rotation, it's probably not a big deal. Um, an alternative to dining option, uh, to you know the preferred dining rotation that you want, is to really forego the main dining room completely. I mean, there's plenty of great complimentary dining choices for dinner, including my favorite, the Winjamere. And I love the main dining room, I really do. But you would not be missing out anything in a culinary sense if you had to, and I use the word had in air quotes, to uh, fall back on the Windjammer for dinner. The Windjammer has a huge assortment of food. In fact, there are plenty of people who are listening to this podcast right now who would tell you that having dinner every night in the Windjammer is a great option. Certainly, it's a little less fuss, right? Don't the, the dress code is significantly less than what you find in the main dining room. It's easy. You get in, you get out, you get what you want, you get as many servings as you want. It's you know, it's quick. It's it's great for kids. It's great for families. It's great for for <laughs> single people that just want to get in and get out. You know, it's it's you can't argue with the with the variety of food there and the convenience of it. Now, of course, another option are to eat at specialty restaurants. And while this does come at additional cost, the specialty dining packages can really make this a whole lot more uh, affordable, especially with things like the Ultimate Dining Package. And I'll refer you to our show notes at royalcreamblog.com. I just wrote up a full review of the Ultimate Dining Package in which you can eat at a specialty restaurant every night of your cruise. It makes the, the choice a whole lot easier and a lot more affordable. I mean, 
you know, at the time of this recording, we're talking about $24 a day. It's not terrible. And for a lot of people, especially on the newer ships that have a lot more restaurants, basically doing a last minute trip from the perspective of dining just requires altering your expectations. There's a good chance you won't get into all your favorite options, but there's likely to be some great alternatives as well. So give those a try instead. This leads us to our last question. Should you book a last-minute cruise? And the answer really, it depends on you. My preference, and I think the best practice, is to book your cruise as far in advance as you can. Not only are you going to have the best possible price by doing this, but you're also going to have the largest variety of choices, both in terms of sailings and staterooms available to you. Inevitably, especially with the vast amount of ships that are in Royal Caribbean's fleet, People have very specific needs that they're looking for, right? They want a room that's midship, or perhaps they want a really cheap room, or perhaps they want to have one of the rooms that affords to have uh, to accommodate more than four people. Regardless of what you're looking for, what's important to you, the bottom line is by booking far in advance, it's a much better option. I think if you're talking about a last-minute cruise, it should really be a combination of opportunity, like, hey, I would love to take a last-minute cruise, and look, I've got this week coming up here, and I got this vacation time to burn off or you know my my in-laws are gonna watch my kids so let's go on a cruise kind of situation you know that can certainly dictate that but also it should you know you should look at the prices and i think that you know at the end of the day you need to find something that's affordable or reasonable certainly a lot of times there are last minute fares out there but the pricing is just so absurd or so high that it negates really any option and i feel like you're better off waiting and spending that money on maybe even two cruises or being able to pay off a lot more of the cruise later on. There's a lot that goes into a last-minute cruise. It's not for everybody. But if you have the opportunity and you can find a decent deal, it can be a really fun way because there is really nothing better than booking a cruise and then realizing, oh, man, we're going on a cruise really, really soon. Once again, we're digging into the Royal Caribbean blog, podcast, email, inbox to answer your listener emails. And of course, if you have a question, a comment, something on your mind about Royal Caribbean, this is your opportunity. Send me an email, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email this week comes to us from Zach, who says, maybe you've already covered this in the previous podcast or it's listed on royalcaribbeanblog.com. If so, forgive me. I find it interesting to read various sites and see what folks have done and brought on board to make their cruise life easier, like power strips, magnets with hooks, USB multi-port chargers, over-the-door organizers, packing techniques, etc. Do you have this information in a single place somewhere? I think folks would benefit from it, maybe updating currently around what's allowed and not allowed, as this sometimes changes. Zach, thank you for the email. This is a really good question because inevitably, you know, most people can figure out the essential stuff, right? I got to pack underwear, I got to pack pants, I got to pack a hat, camera, you know, those kinds of things. But those gadgets, things that make your life, your cruise life easier, Zach. I like the way you, you put that there. And there are definitely a lot of things to do that. It's become a little bit easier on the, some of the newer ships because the primary one I think a lot of people think about are things like power strips or some other means of providing electrical outlets. Traditionally, cruise ship staterooms did not have a lot of outlets to choose from. In fact, on non-Oasis and Quantum-class ships, you're pretty much going to find like w- like two outlets in the whole room to use. And <laughs> I'm sure many people right now, you already have you, your reaction like, what, that's it? So a lot of people bring power strips. The key is when you're talking about electricity in general, bringing appliances like that, are they, you can't have surge protectors. You can't have things that can potentially cause a fire uh-huh. on there. I've always brought a little travel power strip. It has like three outlets on there, which is more than enough that I ever need. And I bring that. Certainly, I think it is important to refer to Royal Caribbean's list of prohibited items that you cannot bring on a cruise. Things like irons and teapots and coffee makers and 
other electrical appliances that are potential fire hazards. Uh, but they do allow you to bring a lot of other things. I think actually in, in lieu of the power strips, I've actually stopped even using my power strip a lot because I've started bringing, which is much more useful, USB multi-port chargers. That's a really good suggestion, Zach. And basically these are uh, USB hubs that you plug into the wall. So it goes into the outlet, but instead you get, you know, two, three, four, five, six, twelve 12 USB outlets. It's inevitably what are you really charging, right? Your phones, your iPads, your various devices. And with so many devices now being able to be charged via USB, it just makes it a whole lot easier. And I think it's the most common thing that you're going to really find. But I definitely believe that you, you should probably invest in one of them, either power strip or USB multi-port charger. So that way you have enough outlets so you can plug all your stuff in. You're not constantly competing. I know that on um, past cruises, my wife would be needing to straighten her hair and she unplugs my computer or she unplugs the kid's iPad. And it's, you know, it's this game of, you know, why is it my device charged? Oh, who unplugged this thing, right? One of those kinds of things. One of the things I know that people have been talking about for years are the over-the-door organizers. It's essentially, if you go to like the dollar store, they are the shoe organizers. Basically, they're plastic. They go over the back of the door. Some people swear by them. I have yet to figure out anything that's useful from that. I gotta be honest with you. I just think that they're it's a neat idea. I just don't find that I have quite that much stuff that I need to bring that. Perhaps if you're going for like a 14 night cruise and you got, I don't know, a lot of teenagers and that's something I can think of. Uh, but some other things you should probably pick. This is really low tech, but a highlighter for the cruise compass. Oftentimes, I forget this one a lot, but put it in your bag now while you're thinking about it. A highlighter, so that way when you're looking through the cruise compass, you can easily highlight the events you want to do. So that way it's a lot easier to refer back to it later on because inevitably you remember, what was the thing we saw before? Oh, let me look at it quickly. And bam. And it's a lot easier or a lot more convenient, I think, than just a pen, but a pen works also. Uh, in terms of more electronic stuff, bring enough memory cards for your camera. I recommend bringing extra ones. You never know when they're going to fail or if you just need extra ones, but but they're so cheap these days. You may as well do that and, and do that. You know, Make sure you have enough if you're bringing a camera, although I think, quite honestly, most people these days probably just use their phone to take pictures of that as well. Uh, the other thing you might want to consider is a small bag for excursions. You know, we often pack for the cruise, right? So you're packing large capacity. But when you go on shore, you need a bag or a means of transporting stuff that is a little more uh, flexible, a little more easy to carry around, and not going to get in your way. And for a lot of people, this is a backpack, but depending on what you're looking to do and what you're looking to pack in there, for some people, it's, you know, they're just packing a bottle of water, some travel documents, and you know, uh, that's about it. But other people are bringing cameras and uh, phones and you know, credit cards and a lot of other things anyway. But you want to make sure you have a nice, easy, and light-to-carry bag to put all these stuff in. Just enough to carry all your stuff, but not bulky enough that it's really going to get in your way. Or one of you feels like the, the family mule of carrying this thing on there. So that's definitely where I would start. You know, I've seen a lot of other things that are out there. I think a lot of it, beyond that, I think you're, I feel like you're really in the in the territory of, well, it's nice to have, but not completely necessary. I will post in a link, uh, a link in our show notes, rather, to a list of the most important things to pack for your Royal Caribbean cruise. And it's not the total list. This is not a complete list, but I would say this is the mission critical things on there. And some of the items that we talked about actually made this list here. And I think it's going to be helpful for folks who are trying to figure out beyond the obvious, right? Or just getting their, covering their bases. As I tell my wife, other than your travel documents, like your passport and your set sale pass and your driver's license and your credit cards, other than that, you could buy everything else. You know, if you forget, if you don't pack underwear, You'll probably even realize it at some point. You can go buy underwear somewhere else, whether it's on the ship or on one of your port excursions or still in, before you embark. You know, you have that opportunity, and there's so many, nearly everything else. You may have to pay a lot for it. It may be a waste of your money, but 
it's still a practical means of getting those things, right? So as long as you pack the basics beyond that, there's room for error is what I'm trying to say. But Zach, it's a great question. Thank you for sending it in here. Really uh, do appreciate it. And he goes, Zach also added, thanks for all you do, O Sultan of Sabor. <laughs> I love it. Next, we have an email from Lynn and Mark of Arcalo. He writes, you asked me to send a review after our cruise to Europe, to Italy and Greece. Here it is. A nine-night Italy and Greek Isles cruise from June 2nd to June 11th. It was on Jewel of the Seas, which is a Radiance-class ship. We stayed in uh, downtown Rome at the Hotel Massimo de Anzel... As... Oh, my gosh. As... <laughs> Hotel Massimo de Azagelio. I know I didn't get that right. Azagelio? I'm sure you guys can figure it out by Googling. Uh, anyway, they write, it's an excellent hotel, highly recommended. The representative was waiting in the lobby, took care of our luggage. Next day, he sent to the bus and transferred to his ship. Breakfast was in the hotel as well. Gave us a map of the city to sightsee. We left uh, Rome on Friday. Beautiful view from the back of the ship, staying in a junior suite on 10th deck. Very roomy. Our first stop was Sicily. Took a roller coaster tour to Taurima and the Blue Grotto. The guide was very knowledgeable. Very beautiful sights. Second day was a sea day. Views were great. Pool was crowded. Plenty of things to do. Centrum was the main attraction on board every evening. The dining room was disappointing. A Caribbean menu from eight years ago. Food was bland. Everyone complained about the menu and the food quality for dinner in the main dining room. We ate in the Windjamere seven nights. Food was much better and plenty of choices. Our Greek stops of Mykonos, Santorini, Rhodes, and Athens were great. Beautiful sights. Again, we did Royal Caribbean tours on all the stops. We toured many ancient villages like Delos, the Acropolis, Oia, and visited a winery. Santorini was just breathtaking. Lunch in Rhodes on the rooftop, which is very common. Plenty of outdoor cafes. All tour guides were excellent and knew their history. The Mediterranean was very calm. Weather was sunny and a warm 75 to 80 degrees. Beautiful blue waters. Naples, we did a land boat tour to the Amalfi Coast. Phenomenal. Cobblestone walkways and towns. Plenty of local shopping. Views were awesome. Food was fresh and well worth trying the gelati and pizza, desserts, etc. Overall, the ship was very clean. Awesome views with all the glass. We are Diamond members, but this was our first cruise on a Radiance-class ship. Our first ship to Europe as well. Air to Sea took care of all our flights. No problems at all. Highly recommend this itinerary. We're planning to do another cruise to Venice and Florence. Hope this review helps and ask any questions. Wow, that was perfect. By the way, Lynn and Mark, thank you for sharing for sending this in. And I love these just kind of bullet point, you know, quick rundowns of the cruise. You know, what worked, what didn't work. Really do appreciate Lynn and Mark. Thank you for sharing with us. And, you know, I, I'm dying to do a European cruise. I mean, I, I, many of you know I hate flying and I've used that as a, as a crutch excuse. Also, the, having my kids. But I kind of feel like with my youngest uh, going to be turning three at the end of, well, beginning of next year. I kind of feel like in the next couple of years, we're, we really need to go do this, you know, obviously in the name of research for RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, but also for fun. I'm, uh, I just, I really, really want to see these places. I think a cruise is like the perfect way to see these uh, fabulous historic destinations. And you, just talking about the food, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm totally starving right there. Um, Lynn and Mark talked about something I wanted to bring up, which was the Air to Sea program. If you're not familiar with it, this is a means of which you can book your airfare through Royal Caribbean. Now, you might say, well, why would I do that, Matt? Is it going to be any cheaper? No, probably not. It's actually no worse anyway. They have a some sort of a guarantee that it's supposed to be no worse than anything else. The advantage is the air to sea program is let's say your cruise is delayed or there's some issue with your ship in general, whether it's canceled, delayed, you miss a stop, you can't get back, whatever. Royal Caribbean handles rebooking it. It's a nice little perk. 
for Caribbean cruises or folks in North living in North America, I don't think it's worth it. Uh, some people book it. I've never booked it before. But I think if I was going to go on a European cruise, I'd probably at least look at or take a really good look at Air to Sea. And as you can see here, Lynn and Mark said they had a really good time with it. It's one of those programs that's out there. I don't know that it's the most well-known program. But being a European cruise, I think if you're taking a, a cruise, it's worth at least investigating at the very least. So thank you for the great review. Really do appreciate it. Good stuff all around. Our next email is, we got another cruise review. Love this. It's from Mark Cavanaugh of Salem, Oregon. He writes, I'm at last week we completed our Alaska cruise on Radiance of the Seas. It was a seven-day northbound cruise plus a four-day land tour to Denali and Fairbanks. It was a great trip. Here are the daily highlights of our trip. Day one, arrived in Vancouver the day before the cruise. We took the SkyTrain from the airport to our hotel in Coal Harbor. Note, you could arrive the day of the cruise and take the SkyTrain from the airport to the dock. Uh, also on the same day, boarded in Vancouver. We were able to walk from our hotel to the dock at Canada Place. We were in a balcony cabin. My wife, sister, and her husband were in the cabin next door. We were una- unable to take down the balcony partition. Day two was a sea day. Day three in Ketchikan. My wife went snorkeling. Craxy? I don't know what that means, but Craxy. C-R-A-X-Y. Me and my wife, sister, and husband had a Misty Fjords flight via a third party, but it was scrubbed due to weather. It was windy and it was raining. Saw the Lumberjack show instead and walked around town. Day four was Icy Straight Point, had a third-party whale-watching tour. There were only six people on the small boat, saw a pod of humpback whales bubble-feeding. Day five was in Juneau. My wife and I did another whale-watching tour, as well as visited the Mendenhall Glacier and tour of Juneau. Her sister went on a helicopter ride that landed on the glacier. Wow. Day six, Skagway. Via third party, we were on a mini-bus tour up to Fraser, British Columbia, then took the train back to Skagway. They toured the little town there. Day seven was Hubbard Glacier. We were less than a, a fifth of a mile from the glacier face. The ship did a full 360 so we could watch it from the comfort of our balcony. Awesome. I added the inflection there. Day eight, boarded a bus to Denali with a brief stop in Anchorage. Day nine, took the Tundra Wilderness Tour into Denali. Saw all sorts of wonder wildlife, but Denali refused to come out from hiding a great eight-hour tour. Day 10, in the afternoon, booked the Wilderness Express train to Fairbanks, a great four-hour train ride. We had dinner on the trains, by far the best meal of the entire trip. Damn, wow, best meal was on a train. That's pretty cool. Day 11, a tour of Gold Dredge Number 8 and the Discovery Riverboat Tour. Both were unique experiences. This is where the land tour ended. Day 12, had a rental car to drive to the, quote, North Pole, then back to the airport uh, in the afternoon to fly home. On board the ship, we ate the main dining room every night except for one. The food was very good to very good. Service was one of the best we've ever had on Royal Caribbean. We ate at San Bergo one night, the Brazilian Steakhouse. It was a unique experience. Overall, we loved the trip. We had done a Norway Fjord cruise on Radiance's sister ship, Serenade of the Seas, a couple of years ago. Many told us that we would not be disappointed with the Alaskan Fjords after being in Norway. Both my wife and I agree that we were not disappointed at all. The Fjords are, vi- are different, but each were spectacular. We want to do Alaska and Norway again sometime. Our next booked cruise is on Ovation of the Seas from Sydney to New Zealand in March 2019. Never too soon to book. We might squeeze another cruise before then, but budgets and vacation time may not allow it. So, Mark, thank you for the great review. I love this. This sounds great. And, of course, as many of you know, we're planning our very first cruise to Alaska. In fact, it is a Royal Caribbean blog group cruise where I'm inviting all of you to join us for it. We're going to explore the seas seven nights out of Seattle to Alaska. It's my first time going to Alaska and this is going to be an awesome opportunity, and I want to invite as many of you as possible. If you want to get more details, including a free, no-obligation quote to come join us for it, all you have to do is go to our show notes at realcrimmingblog.com. I'll post a link there to our uh, event page. We get more information about the sailing. It's in June 2018, and I would love 
for as many people as possible to join us. I want all my friends, all of you listening, to be able to join us for it because everything is better when you have friends on board a ship. And you know, and every cruise is better that way. So I'm really hopeful we're gonna have a great group on there and get to explore this amazing area together. And after hearing Mark's uh, experience, I am super excited to finally get a chance to go out there. Maybe not so much excited about the flight out there, but. The actual, the actual uh, cruise has got me really excited. All right, time for one last email. It's from Barbara, who writes: Just listen to your podcast and went on the cruise planner. I could not book any entertainment and don't want to, didn't want to choose dinner options until we know what times the shows are. I'm going on Harmony of the Seas for the Thanksgiving week. Thanks for any help you can give me. So, Barbara, this is a really common question. I'm on the cruise planner. Where do I book my entertainment? Or when can I book dining packages or drink packages or excursions? Barbara, if you're not seeing those options there, it means one of two things. Either it's sold out, which is unlikely for you in this situation, Barbara, uh, or more likely it's not available yet. Royal Caribbean does not, even though you can book your cruises literally years in advance, a lot of the options in the cruise planner don't show up until much closer to your sailing. There is no real firm date as to when they actually show up. If you're not seeing those options there, Barbara, just keep checking back. Eventually they will be. Make it a habit, you know, once or twice a week to go check in the cruise planner, see if anything's changed there. Certainly, you could also subscribe to maybe join a Facebook group that's for your sailing. And a lot of times when one person finds it, they post the group and then you get notified of it. It's not a bad option either, but you can keep checking. It's kind of fun to check the cruise planner every couple days and see what's available anyway. But uh, essentially, it's going to eventually show up there and the, uh, the entertainment options there will be uh, available for you to, to finally book. Now, keep in mind that what's available through the cruise planner is not the total encompassment of all the entertainment. Obviously, it's going to be the main shows on there, so you're going to cover a lot of your bases, but it's something to keep in mind, and it can't work for you. Uh, it's, it's a great idea for planning. One of the things I learned, one of the lessons I learned, maybe you heard me talk about this last week in last week's episode when I was reviewing my, my Harmony of the Seas cruise, is that it really behooves you, especially the more specialty dining you're doing, to book around the shows. All too often, I found a lot of people, including myself, quite honestly, uh, realizing, oh, no, we really want to go to this show instead of that show. Let me re- rebook all the specialty dining, right? Or try to get around there. And as the cruise progresses, you find less and less availability for dining. So certainly, it, it's you're going about it the right way, Barbara. And I wish I could give you a better answer other than just, you got to keep checking back. But it really is how it works. And I promise you, eventually, we'll show up there and you'll be able to, to book it. And Harmony over Thanksgiving, what a great idea. What a great way to celebrate. I did Thanksgiving on Brilliance of the Seas a couple years ago. And I tell you, it's a lot of fun because, for one thing, you don't have to let anybody... You don't have to cook, right? No cooking, no cleanup. It's really nice. It's kind of... It's it's a little surreal, i got to be honest with you, because you're on a cruise ship, and when Thanksgiving comes on a Thursday, obviously, it's kind of like you have to keep reminding yourself, like pinching yourself, like, oh, yeah, it's Thanksgiving. You know, it doesn't quite feel like Thanksgiving because you're probably used to your traditions of Thanksgiving at home, but, man, is it nice to be able to have someone else do all the cooking for you. Uh, when I was on Brilliance of the Seas, the main dining room, they had a special... Thanksgiving menu on top of the regular menu. So there's, there was the regular menu, and then there was like a secondary menu, essentially, with Thanksgiving items you could choose from. So if you want to have turkey, great. If not, you can still go to Sabor and have a uh, celebrate Thanksgiving with some great Mexican or maybe one to the Central Park. A lot of great choices there. So uh, I think you're having a great time, Barbara. And thank you for the email. Thank you to everybody for the wonderful emails. Really do appreciate all of the great questions and the comments that have come in here. And, of course, if you want to send in your thoughts, your comments, your questions about taking a Royal Caribbean cruise, this is your opportunity. Send me an email, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon. <laughs>